The problem is the fit. My key is my favorite part of America. And my second favorite part? The cowboys and the horses. <laughs> Remember, I only trust my key with my key. A one-stop shop for total car care. Right now, get a basic oil change at my key for only $29.95. My key, doing car care right. Wake up with the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, kicking off hour number three of the show here on this Thursday, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're joined now on the phone lines by our good friend Lincoln Kennedy. He joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. And Lincoln, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And what do you think, Lincoln? It's coming up on Saturday, the third preseason game for the Raiders, not for the Dolphins, but for the Raiders. Do you think that they approach this as kind of that dress rehearsal that traditionally was that third preseason game? Well, it's kind of hard to say, Hugh. First of all, it's good to be with you. Um, we've seen a little bit of a change-up from, uh, from the Hall of Fame game to the last one against Minnesota. I think we'll probably see a little bit of a change-up this time. I, what I expect is I expect probably Nick Mullins to get the start over Stidham and to get, have Stidham play third quarter and maybe still give Chase Carver the fourth quarter. But it's just, it's just a little minor change-up. And you still have to figure out with this offensive line what they're going to do, just what, what, what type of you know, sort of combination they're going to put in there. Yeah, you're right. We've talked a lot about the offensive line, and uh, Thayer Munford was the guy that got a little banged up in practice uh, the other day and hasn't come back yet, so I don't know if he's going to play on Saturday. But uh, right now, uh, Alex Leatherwood, he looks like, to be 100% honest with you, looks like his confidence is shot. How how critical is that going to be for him to have it upstairs between the ears? Well, I mean, it's always critical because you play a majority of the game with your mind in the first place. So if you don't have that, uh, if you don't have that confidence when you're going out there, then you really it's really a lost cause, and you're going to do nobody and no good. So, you know, he's got to get that confidence back. I still think he's capable, but it's, gonna, it's, it's a process. It's a road, you know, to the, to the challenge of mental health and stuff like that. So, but it's a process that I think is long and well for him. Is that something that you've noticed from him in the past, that, you know, he'll have a few bad reps and then it's almost like he's thinking about it too much? Yes. That's, that's what happened to him a majority of last year um, when he was playing. Uh, a couple of reps, and then he, he gets in his own head and you know, can't, can't, get, can't get out of his own way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, he's tripping over himself left and right. So, yeah, I have, I have noticed that from him. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Lincoln, earlier today, Coach Josh McDaniels was talking about players stacking a bunch of good plays. You know, it's not good enough to just have one good play. you got to keep stacking those good plays. But for me as a novice, when I'm looking at the offensive line, what should I be looking for besides if a sack happened or not for a good rep from Alex Leatherwood in the game? Well, you want to look for consistency. Offensive linemen are judged for consistency. So if they go out and they play, you know, you go out and you have a successful series, you don't give up any mental errors or anything like that. That's what you're looking for, and you're looking to build upon that. That's the best thing that you can do to generate confidence. 
Jermaine Illuminor met with us earlier today, and he was talking about he's really had two or three different opportunities to carve a niche out in the NFL, and he's really blown it. Going back to Baltimore, New England, even last year with the Raiders, uh, when you hear a guy say that and say, hey, I've got my body right now, I've got my weight down, I'm ready to show this team, how much of a positive is that for a guy to at least realize what his issues were? Well, I mean, it's, it's a step in the right direction, but now you have to do it. Go out and you can do it. You know what I mean? There, there was times last year where he really really looked poorly out of shape and, you know, played like it. So, I mean, I, I have big expectations because I think he could be a player. Besides, he's wearing my number, so you can't be, <laughs> you can't be out there messing up and when you're wearing my number. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. you got to respect that seven deuce out there. Well, right. it looks to me, it really looks to me like he has a, a pretty good uh, stranglehold maybe on that swing tackle position. Do you see that as a possibility for Jermaine? Uh, you know what? He struggled. Um, what was it, the first one? I think it was the first preseason. He struggled playing left tackle a little bit. Um, you, you know, there's there's ways that you can help him. You know, you mm-hmm. can protect him with tight ends and shifts and stuff like that. I think it's a long way to go. But, you know, here's the thing. If, if Brandon Parker's not going to be able to make it, you got to have somebody. It, it might might as well be a Luminor's job for the taking. Right. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, another concern that Raider Nation has is the special teams, not necessarily the return game, but the kickoff coverage. And it's given up some big plays as of late. A couple of them have been called back by penalty, but you still see that they're giving up some big plays. How concerned are you about that special teams unit? Well, look, if I'm, if I'm Carlson, I need to just kick the ball out of the end zone because the, you're, the special teams is something you've got to build on. Of course, you've got to get practice. What better ways to get practice in preseason? But, you know, they have not looked good. And that, that is an area of concern because, you know, for the most part, a lot of starters don't, you know, most starters don't like to play special teams. But and there's times where you have to. So you've got to get that squad ironed out because people want to take a look at that tape and start abusing you on, on kickoff coverage. Do you expect Hunter Renfro to be a guy that still remains in that punt return position throughout the course of the season? I don't see why not. I mean, but you, you want to protect your slot receiver. He's good at what he does. He's crafty. He's incredibly smart. Um, but you also want to work some other people back there, some other returners. So this is going to be a critical, critical game against Dolphins. We're going to see you probably you know throw a lot of guys out there uh, at different positions, different spots to see you know how they how everything settles up. Is there anyone in particular that you're going to be paying attention to? I know it's, you're calling the game, so it's hard to just focus in on one guy, but is there somebody that's really caught your attention that you think that this could be a big game for? You know, I still want to see Malcolm Kuntz and, and, and those guys come along. You know, I want to see that, that back up. And, of course, I'm really concerned about the defensive line, the defensive tackle uh, position, because they have been giving up some big chunks of yards. So they got to get that figured out. I want to see the scheme a little bit more on the defensive side. Yeah, Lincoln, a lot of players came back to practice recently. You got Hankins, Nichols, even Trayvon Mullen. What do you think the sweet spot would be for these guys getting on the field and playing just a little bit in preseason? A series or just let them rest up until the regular season? Well, I mean, it, it, it depends. I mean, you got to get them, get them out there and see what they can do or how they handle themselves because you can't just save them for uh, the first game like so many coaches have done before. Uh, get, them, get them a little bit of a lather and really see them in game time speed and see how they accept the, the scheme. I think, you know, it doesn't, when you have a veteran, like somebody like a Hankins, you don't need more than a series or two to get up and get up to speed, but at least want to see some action out of them. 
Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. He joins us each Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. Trayvon Mullen, uh, DeMond just mentioned that he returned to practice. He's been on the pup list. He had been out for quite a while. Uh, what are your expected expectations for Trayvon Mullen? How, how quickly do you think he can slide back in and get comfortable in that position? Well, I mean, it's, it's something to be seen. That's, that's, a, that's what we're looking for. And I'm, that's why I say preseason is so in, important. Uh, but you want to get him back out there and want to see him because now you, you, you're playing, you're talking about the defensive backs, you're playing with a secondary that is a little bit, you know, undermanned and he has some injuries. So it'd be good to get him back. He was a shutdown corner once before. I'm hoping that he can get back out and do the same thing again. Earlier today in the show, uh, we had a caller say that he'd like to see 15 or 20 snaps from, uh, from Trayvon, maybe two or three series, similar to what they did with Nate Hobbs in the Hall of Fame game. Do you think that that's a good, good amount of burn for Trayvon just coming off the pup list? Yes, uh, that, 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 that would seem about right. You still got to get some other people to look at, but yeah, get him out there versus starters, see how he handles himself. We just got a text message in saying, can you ask Lincoln how concerned he is overall with the play of the offensive not line? Not one particular guy, but just overall the whole play. Well, I'm, I'm concerned because they're, you know, you're, you're trying to mix a bunch of different parts together, and it just seems like for some reason guys can't stay healthy, and you can just go through the training camp. You know, you, it, so I'm, I'm, there's a level of concern. I know what we have in Colton Miller. I know what we have in Andre James. You know, Lester Simpson has been, uh, has been uh, I mean, Lester Cotton has been doing well, and John Simpson has been doing well, but we got to shore up that right tackle spot. I don't know who that's going to be right now because it seems like guys are going down by the wayside every, every chance they get. Yeah, Lincoln, Vinny earlier, he kind of tried to put me at ease, but I'm getting a little worried about <laughs> the offensive line, like you said, just about the depth. So, do you think that the team, like I said to Vinny, now more than ever, that they should bring in someone off the street or someone off the waiver wire just for some more depth on this offensive line? Well, you know, this, this is the, the bad part. There's not, it's not like you've got qualified tackles or good offensive line just sitting on the waiver wire. Right. You have to take a chance with somebody bringing, you know, uh, and uh, offensive linemen are hard to find. So it's not like you're going to be, there's anybody going to sit on the street. Um, it would be hard to get press, press to get it, but you have to wait to see what the final cuts look like. Maybe you can get somebody off the waiver wire. But, yeah, you gotta, we got to work on depth. Got a lot of names, a lot of pieces you're trying to throw and see what sticks, but you got to work on depth sooner or later. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. The running back room is very talented. It's very deep. We talked after the Hall of Fame game. Josh Jacobs getting some burn. Now he's been out for just about a week. Uh, how concerned are you about Josh Jacobs not being out there at practice these days? I'm not really concerned. I mean, the way these guys go through training camp, they, uh, you know, never know what, what, the, what, what you're looking at until you see the final product. So, but it is a deep running back, uh, a deep room. I love always took the mindset. You can't make the club in the tub. So you got to show what you can do. Uh, and, and, and you're sitting in the bench or you're often injured. You're not doing anybody any good, but taking up a roster spot. Right, and they have Zamir White, there's Kenyon Drake, Amir Abdullah's there, Brandon Bolden's there. Is there anybody in that, in that running back room that you, you know, you've seen and said, hey, that guy can get it done? Well, I mean, I, you, you said all capable names. But, you know, <laughs> Zamir White and, and Brent Brown have had two uh, back-to-back pretty good games uh, yeah. outing, outing the, the running back. So I think they'll, they're more of a special teams type of ad as well. Um, but, I mean, this, this running back room has really been impressive. I like the commitment they've been running the football has really shown something as well. Yeah, no, it has. It's, it's been fun to see. Again, we've got Lincoln Kennedy. He's our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I've been talking about Jerron Harmon a lot. Uh, I've been saying now he's just a ball magnet. He's that veteran. He knows what it looks like. He's that teacher on the field. How important do you think he's going to be to the success of this Patrick Graham defense? 
Well, I, I think it's crucial that somebody who's familiar with it and has an understanding of it because, you know, there have been some times when you've seen out there there's a little, been a little confusion, little miscoverages. It hasn't really hurt you this uh, just yet, but there's been some, there, there's been some breakdowns. And you want to make sure that it's consistent, especially when you have leaders out there to show the defense, be able to get everybody lined up in the right place. Yeah, Lincoln, earlier today, Q was talking about Deron Harmon at practice, and he knew how to break up a play or just make Derek Carr think a little bit longer by taking two steps back before the snap because he just looked at his eyes and knew, hey, I'm going to take two steps back. For you as an offensive lineman, what were some things that you're looking for as a defensive lineman before the play even happens that's given you an idea of what he's about to do? Good one. Well, how much how much weight is on his hands uh, when he puts it in the ground? Um, him looking around him, him communicating with other you know defensive linemen if there's going to be throwing games or something like that. Just that, but you know you try to try not to give anything away, but you try to get for all the keys you can. And most of it comes from film study. You can I can pick up on the defensive end's tendency by watching my film. How, I was about to ask you about film study. I'm glad you brought that up. How much extra? Work. You know, we talk, We heard about Kyler Murray in the contract, and you got to have four hours or whatever. How much extra film study did you have to do outside of the what's norm? I mean, I, I took film home. I mean, this is this is back before we have all the luxuries they have now because they can carry a laptop and get film. I mean, I took film home, and I would study film, um, you know, before and after practice. Um, I but I got really familiar with guys pretty quickly and played against a lot of the same guys over and over again. So it just became like a savvy pro, just a veteran. You learn stuff on the road, on the move. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. He's preparing to head to Miami for a preseason game number three for the Silver and Black. Do you think that them having four preseason games since they had that Hall of Fame game and this new regime, how much do you think that that's going to help them in the long run? I think it's going to help them a lot. I think you see guys getting ready to play. You see guys get a good ladder going out there. And they've been, you know, pretty pretty uh, light on the injury side. So I think that's a good thing too, building the toughness. You know, but I said, I said a long time ago, the only way that you can get better playing football is by playing football. Right. Uh, you're not going to, and, and so you know, you can go through some mental reps, but mental reps. But this time, you got to get out there and show your stuff. So um, I think these games have been critical. But not only developing talent, you know, your backup quarterback to get them, get them some looks, get them familiar with the system, but, you know, they, they, they scramble around with tight ends. I mean, they've been doing a lot of stuff with the offensive line before the games count. Uh, it's, it's good to have these type of development, these type of opportunities, I should say. Before we let you go, we started off talking offensive line. We'll close it out talking offensive line. Have you ever an opportunity to talk to offensive line coach Carmen Brasillo, or have you had a chance to hear him in a media session? And if you have, what are your thoughts on him? No, I, I spoke to him briefly before the Hall of Fame game, and I'll be up there next week uh, for the alumni weekend we'll practice on the Patriots. So nice. um, I'll get a chance to, to get uh, get a little bit more familiar with him then. But I uh, haven't had a chance to sit down and talk to him. He, he knows about me. I know about him. Uh, but I think we'll get a lot closer next week. There you go. Well, that'll work, and we'll talk to you next week about the Patriots and the scrimmages and joint practices and how critical that is and how much that is going to help the team develop. But we'll do that on Tuesday because Miami's up first. So, Lincoln, have safe travels. Right. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy right there from the Raiders Radio Network, former Raider offensive line with us. He joins us each Tuesday and Thursday to talk about uh, whatever we want to talk about, offensive line, talk about the game, but we'll definitely talk about the joint practices. That's been a lot of, there's been a lot of those questions in the media sessions so far this week about the joint practices next week, and uh, almost every player and coach to a T has said, yeah, but we've got Miami 
<laughs> we've got Miami on Saturday, so there's no reason to look ahead to the Patriots coming to town next week as uh, you know since since there's still a game uh, ahead of, of them going up against Miami you can't focus on next week until you handle this week so I haven't asked one question about the scrimmages haven't asked one thing about the joint practices because none of that matters until next week so right now the task at hand is Miami and so when we have Lincoln Kennedy on we like to really be focused on what's next you know like on Tuesday I didn't want to ask about the Miami game because well we could do that on Thursday so since we are blessed and we have them on Tuesdays and Thursdays we can kind of split up what we want to do and what we want to talk about. And I uh, clearly see that uh, Lincoln is uh, preparing to make his trip to Miami and get ready for the broadcast with Jason Horowitz Saturday. Of course, you can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 416 is the time. Many thanks to Lincoln. We'll come back, take your calls, take your texts, hit us up. What are you going to be looking for for preseason game number three? Who do you think needs to step up and have a big game? Let us know about it. 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, Raider Nation listener line is 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 9. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 420 is the time coming up in about 10 minutes. Amber Wilson from ESPN. She does a fantastic job on ESPN. She's going to join us to talk all things Deshaun Watson and his 11-game suspension that he has now received with a $5 million fine that he is not going to challenge. So uh, something that I thought was going to take forever to drag out, it is not. It's pretty much set in stone. It's a done deal now. 11 games, $5 million, and conveniently, the first game he'll play this upcoming season is against the Houston Texans. No coincidence there at all. But we'll talk to Amber Wilson coming up at 4.30 about that. Right now, we're talking all things silver and black. We're talking about this preseason game, number three versus Miami. Matter of fact, she's a Miami person as well. We can ask her about the Dolphins, get her thoughts on the Dolphins as well. So that's good timing on that. But um, we're talking about what your expectations are for this game. What are you going to be looking for? Who do you think needs to step up and have a good game? 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. We always love to hear from you throughout the course of the show. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up and said, Q&D, what up, fellas? Happy Thursday. Quickly, I'm interested in our special teams not allowing any big-time momentum play here versus Miami. Allowing a touchdown or excellent field position to our opponent is something we need to stay away from in 2022. Shout-out to LeBron for getting his two-year extension, 97-plus million. Wow, I'd love to get that kind of extension here at work. Also, Deshaun Watson is very lucky to only get 11 games here on his suspension. I'm just saying. Thanks again for holding it down today, gentlemen. We appreciate the hard work here on the airwaves. Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, you know, it's, I don't want to get too deep into the Deshaun Watson stuff because we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. And, you know, there's always going to be mixed emotions on this. And is it too many games? Is it not enough games? Bottom line, no matter how many games he got suspended and no matter how much the fine was, the Cleveland Browns, Gave him, they traded for him, ripped up his contract, and gave him $230 million guaranteed. So Deshaun Watson, the person, the player, he's going to be fine, right? So for anyone who's like, oh, that's too much, and oh, man, they're, they're really raking his, him over the coals. Hey, look, dog, he got $230 million guaranteed with all those allegations behind him. Can you, I mean, just think about that for a minute. Can you imagine any organization in the world? I'm not talking about football team. I'm talking about any kind of entity in the world going out and making somebody, anybody, the highest played, paid person at that position or in that job, and they have all those cases 
all those allegations behind them. It's just unheard of. Just let you know what can happen if you're a big-time football player and you can help a team win games. They're willing to basically close their eyes and say, ah, it's all right, we got your back. To go back to that analogy you wanted to use about any other position in the world, and imagine if they told you, hey, just don't come to work for a year. Right. And then it's just, oh, man, what's the punishment going to be? He's going to get it, right? He's got to be in some big trouble. Right. And then he's the highest paid person in the profession? Right. Exactly. And, I look, I don't want to sit here point fingers and say guilty or not. Look, there's no criminal charges or anything, so there's that. Uh, that obviously opened up the floodgates to allow other teams. And, look, the Browns weren't the only team that wanted him. The Falcons wanted him. Other multiple teams, other teams wanted him as well. So it's not like they were the only ones. They're just the ones that pulled the trigger. There's they're, a reason Matt Ryan's in in Indianapolis. Exactly. So there's that. But again, we'll talk to Amber coming up in a, about seven or eight minutes from now about that. Uh, we got a text from Raider Ryan. If we live out of state, and want to help out with the gas cards? Is there an address we could send them? Raider Ryan, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I will definitely reach out to Vinny Bonsignor. And if you miss what Raider Ryan's talking about, uh, Vinny's at Pub 365 this evening, and uh, they're trying to help raise money and awareness, and uh, they're also trying to get some uh, prepaid gas cards for uh, it's a it's a cancer. It's a cancer. What was the exact? I forget the exact benefit that he was doing, but it has to do with uh, uh, cancer going back and forth to treatment sessions and everything. Like it's a really good cause, and they're doing it at Pub 365. But as we talked to him an hour ago, uh, I've already forgotten like half the stuff that's going on just because we got so much going on in the show. But uh, Vinny's been doing a lot of really good things, a lot of good charity work as the well. Cure for Cancer Kids Clinic. There you go. Cure for Cancer Kids Clinic. Thank you so much, Damon. I appreciate you again, Johnny on the spot. So they also did a nice toy, uh, not toy drive, but a school supply drive as i can't believe it that school's back in already i mean that's nuts right school's back in um of course it's not in for me you know um our our kids aren't in aren't in school like like around here uh they're in college so there you go but yeah it's just crazy that that school is actually going on again that that seemed like it happened so fast um Mailman Raider said, Q, off-topic question. Me and the homie, who's a 49er fan, do a bet every year. This year, I got DC has more all-purpose yards than Trey Lance. Good bet, LOL. Um, I think it's a good bet. All-purpose yards, I mean, that means he's going to be running as well. But I do think that the way that the 49ers offense is set up, that they're going to be doing a lot of running the ball themselves. And it will be more than Trey Lance. I mean, you know, there's going to be – they, they have a plethora of guys that can run the ball. I do think that that's a good bet, yeah. I mean, obviously, Derek Carr is not going to carve you up on the ground, but I do think that he's going to pass for a whole lot of yards. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he was pushing 5,000 5, last year, four, over 4,800. So, uh, close to 5,000, I'm okay with that. I think that's a good bet. Um, yeah, you did a good job on that one. Uh, got another text from a 707. Is this, the, is this the mathematician? This might be the mathematician. Yeah, I think that's his mathematician. Oh, no, it's not. Just kidding. All right, it's another, it's another text from a 707 number uh, talking about special teams. I say just kick the ball in the end zone on kickoffs until things improve. Remedy the suspect kick coverage. Take your chances defending 75 yards each time. And that's kind of what Lincoln was saying, right? I mean, he just said, hey, if I'm Daniel Carlson, I'm kicking the ball in the end zone. But that also applies to the, the punt unit, right? It's not just the kickoffs. It's also punt. And we saw in the Hall of Fame game, A.J. Cole kicked – uh, punt the ball, and then they returned it for a touchdown. It just happened to get called back because of a penalty, and it was a blatant penalty like Adam Hill said earlier this week. They, they, the, both the penalties that were called on uh, kick returns were were uh, blatant penalties, but, man, I just think that that's something that they've definitely got to shore up is making sure that they don't allow teams to have big-time returns because, again, you have a big-time return, you end up in plus territory. My thinking is you take a shot. 
because you have what DeMond believes in, momentum. You have momentum on your side. You just take that big-time shot. Man, something that Josh McDaniels said earlier today that I really wasn't thinking about or haven't really given it too much thought is players not having that much experience playing special teams because when you're coming from college or wherever another team, you probably were the man wherever you were just coming from. And he said these guys got to learn how to play special teams. And you always think about, hey, man, special teams, it's the grunt work, but people have to learn how to do it. And I just haven't given it that much thought about, man, they're looking bad because a lot of these guys, they're not used to doing this. Right. No, you're, you're right about that. You're right about that. So we'll see. They got to keep working on it, man. They got to keep grinding. They're, I know they're working hard on, on it in practice. I can tell you that. We see it each and every day. Uh, got a text here from Raider Sean. He said, Raider Sean here. What's up, Q? What's up, Damon? I'm so tired of hearing every single year the Raiders are going to be last in the division. I'm tired of hearing the schedule is a gauntlet in the beginning, even when we have a better team and have had one of the hardest GD schedules every single freaking year, and all we do is start out fast and win a good chunk of them. I'm tired of the disrespect. I'm so done with it. I need this team to come out and make sure heads roll this season, and specifically these Chargers heads week one. Let's get to ball, man. I can't wait. Raiders. That's from Raiders, Sean. Uh, just tired of the disrespect, Damon. Tired of the disrespect. And Look, I'll, I'll say this, man. Um, go out there and win those games. You know, like you mentioned, go out there and start things off week one against the Chargers. The first five weeks is going to tell you a lot about this team. The first five weeks they play every team in the AFC West. You go out there and you win those games. You set a tone, and, and, and then all of a sudden that respect's going to change. And, and the other side of the respect thing is there's a lot of folks talking about the Raiders, uh, and there's a lot of folks talking highly about the Raiders, include Amber Thea Harris. We had her on the show earlier this week. She has the Raiders winning the AFC West. You know, she said she can actually make a better argument for the Chargers or the Broncos than she can the Chiefs. So, I mean, there's a lot of folks that are giving the Raiders props, but I understand when they talk about the schedule and they talk about them being the worst team in the division. Uh, it's just it's one of those things. Go out there and win those games consistently, win the AFC West a few times, and you won't hear that conversation too much more. 429 is the time. We'll come back in a hot minute. we be talking to Amber Wilson from ESPN. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 431 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Joining us now on the phone lines from ESPN is my good friend Amber Wilson. And Amber, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Wanted to get you on to talk about a couple subjects, but in particular, Deshaun Watson, you've been very uh, uh, vocal about this uh, since this whole case has really started. And for anyone who don't know, you're a practicing attorney, so you know the ins and outs. You're, you're a lot smarter than me. That's basically what I'm trying to say. So when you hear the, when you hear the ruling come down today, it's not really the ruling. It was really just a settlement. Uh, 11 gains, $5 million for uh, Deshaun Watson. What were your initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thoughts were, frankly, this is what I expected to happen. I was Always surprised that the two sides hadn't reached a settlement up to this point. We know they were having the negotiations even before Sue L. Robinson uh, initiated her initial ruling. And so now you've got to a point where Peter C. Harvey seemed to be delaying and giving them time to, to settle, frankly, because we know that the appeals process is an expedited one. 
It felt like Peter C. Harvey, frankly, could have probably made his ruling last week, but there was probably some reason he wasn't. We were hearing the leaks on Twitter and whatnot about maybe what each side was willing to take. And so I wasn't surprised to see that the two were obviously engaged, the two sides being the NFL and the NFLPA in Watson's camp. I wasn't surprised to see the two sides had been engaged in settlement talks all throughout and had actually gotten to a point of settlement. And frankly, I always thought it would end up in settlement somewhere around 10 games. Uh, Essentially, Watson's camp was at six, right off of the Sue L. Robinson ruling. Mm -hmm. The NFL wanted 17. And they met somewhere in the middle around 11. The $5 million fine sounds nominal when he makes $230 million guaranteed dollars. <laughs> but it's the largest fine ever issued by millions and millions and millions in NFL history to an individual player. No individual player had gotten more than $1 million or even the $1 million mark in terms of fines. So a significant fine as well. It's essentially where I thought that they'd land. So as a woman that covers sports, follows sports, loves sports, uh, do you think that that was too much? Do you think it was just right? Do you think it was not enough? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I can't take the lawyer in me out of this, right? Right. So I tend to look at these situations first and foremost as a lawyer. We know the heinous allegations. We know how many women made these allegations. We know that the NFL investigation showed you that there was probably validity to the allegations. We know that Suelle Robinson believed in her opinion that there was probably validity to the ed- to the allegation. So not to excuse anything there. Obviously heinous in nature. But I did understand from the lawyer's perspective sort of the reasoning that Sue L. Robinson used in issuing her decision where she was a lot relying on precedent, where she didn't like the fact that the NFL would all of a sudden issue a much harsher penalty for a violation of a personal conduct policy than they had ever done before without any such notice to the players that, hey, this is going to be handled like this from 2022 moving forward if you're ever accused of anything as it relates to sexual misconduct. And she even said, hey, maybe that's how the NFL should handle it. But they hadn't actually provided that notice and that she wouldn't be comfortable issuing a heftier suspension until they did. And so I understood her logic and her reasoning behind her opinion. I know a lot of people didn't, but I Judges typically, people are always confused by this. I mean, judges are always reliant on precedent when they're issuing their decisions. Particular, I mean, judges typically have to follow controlling precedent when they're issuing their decisions. And she spent her career as a judge. And then also, judges aren't out there to blaze new paths and to institute their own feelings into things, right? So she may have thought that a much harsher suspension would have been better, but she felt more comfortable relying on how the NFL itself had handled things in the past. And so, when you already were at six games initially, and I sort of understood what she was doing there with her logic, then I felt like getting to this 11-game mark, um, you know, we got into double digits. So that feels right. It's a significant portion of the Brown season. If they have Jacoby Brissett under center, it's going to be ugly, obviously, and hard for them probably to make the playoffs. And so it's significant if you only get Watson back for five games on the back end of things, and then he might be rusty for a couple of those games when he comes back. And and the fine, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, is significant as well. So I don't really have any huge problems, frankly, with where we're at. I would prefer to see changes to the personal conduct policy moving forward where the NFL provides notice to players, hey, in the future, if you get accused of something like this, it's a year, no questions asked. And then I think an independent arbitrator will feel more comfortable instituting that role. You know, and that's exactly what I was about to ask. Do you see a, a way or a path and when that is going to change? And then that starts becoming the norm because, again, she just went by the letter of the law that the NFL had already kind of laid out, and so they kind of did this to themselves. 
Right. I mean, it's really murky the way that the NFL handles suspensions. And a lot of people want to point to, you know, Calvin Ridley or, you know, even past examples with Ezekiel Elliott and with Ben Roethlisberger. And none of it really applies because it's all under either the old CBA or we're talking about, you know, with Stephen Ross, uh, we're talking about tampering for an owner. Right. Or with Calvin Ridley, we're talking about a violation of the gambling policy, not the personal conduct policy. You know, there's different policies you can violate under the CPA. So it looks like, if you just look at it, a lack of inconsistency on the NFL's part in issuing these suspensions. And it kind of is, frankly, Q. And so it's kind of a difficult system to navigate. So when you bring in somebody from the outside, like Sue L. Robinson, and she's kind of trying to parse through how to apply things fairly based on precedent, it's a bit complicated because the NFL has handled it poorly in the past. It would be a lot cleaner, of course, if the NFL came out and said, well, if you do this, then it's this number of games at least. And they did make that distinction when it came to violent sexual crimes, allegations of violence, remember? Right. And that's where you got that weird distinction from Suelle Robinson and her opinion about it as being nonviolent. Some people had a big problem with that. That's because they have a six-game minimum if it's deemed violent in nature. And that was the NFL doing that themselves, and they provided that notice to players. So I could see a world where the NFL now does it for nonviolent. Hey, if something is sexual in nature, then it's going to be six-game minimum no matter what. Or now it's six and ten games for if it's violent to heighten the punishment there for, for what's considered a violent offense. But even that, you're still on a case by – even if you institute a minimum, you're still on a case-by-case basis. And frankly, how this has been handled has been a bit murky in the past. And right now I'm not sure we have a ton more clarity, frankly, with where this ended up. Talking right now with ESPN's Amber Wilson here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Amber, when six games first came out, we all knew that, hey, the NFL, they, isn't go- they aren't going to stand for that. He's going to get more games. But I thought maybe they would have given him a full season. Do you think part of the NFL not giving him a full season is the fact that they want to keep this out of court? Yes. <laughs> I think that the, the <laughs> fact that the NFL – I think I mean, I think that the fact that the NFL settled is um, knowing that they're keeping it out of court that way. Also – I think Deshaun Watson and his camp recognized that they probably are best to keep this out of court. Ultimately, the NFL probably would have prevailed in federal court. And a lot of people are confused where federal court would have gotten involved. What would have happened is Peter C. Harvey would have given a year suspension. Watson and the NFLPA would have immediately run to federal court and said, hey, my due process rights here were violated by the way that the NFL has handled things. And, hey, Peter C. Harvey's not really independent. He's a designee, and none of this is fair to me. And they would have argued about it. We've seen in the past it tends to be a losing argument because of a collectively bargained agreement. Courts hate to kind of get involved when you've had the opportunity to negotiate the agreement yourself when it's been collectively bargained. So they're like, hey, you agreed to this system. You know, this is the one that you agreed to back in 2020, so you kind of can't cry about it now. That's probably what would have happened in federal court and so that's why Watson and his camp ultimately probably would have lost in federal court I'm sure they knew that they also would have spent a lot of money in attorney's fees going that route and so maybe that's also why you would accept a five million dollar fine because you're going to be spending millions of dollars otherwise fighting whatever appeal comes down but from the NFL perspective even if they ultimately prevailed in federal court it's probably stuff they wouldn't have wanted maybe to get into or publicly to get into in a public court record like, for example, the lack of punishment of NFL owners, because that is a complicating factor for the NFL's position, the lack of punishment for Robert Kraft, for Daniel Snyder, for some of these situations that we've seen owners even accused of things that are violations or allegedly violations of the personal conduct policy. 
that policy applies to owners as well as players, as well to all employees of the NFL. And the NFL may not have wanted to get into that minutia in court. And also maybe that could have complicated things in terms of Daniel Snyder and some of these other outstanding matters in the future. And Amber, I know you were filling in this afternoon on uh, Canty and Carlin. Matter of fact, just hopped off the radio and hopped on the show with us. And we so we definitely appreciate you. But was it uh, was any Cleveland Browns fans hammering and pounding the table for uh, maybe a Jimmy G move to try to get them through the season so they don't have to have Jacoby Brissett? Uh, I haven't heard it from fans so much, but obviously it's a point of conversation, too. I mean, we had Jake Trotter on today. It was the first thing we asked him because he was covering. <laughs> he covers the Browns for yeah. ESPN, and, and he was at training camp today. You know, he was at the Deshaun Watson press conference. The coach spoke. The GM spoke. Watson spoke. He was the only player availability today. But everybody knew that some sort of suspension was coming that was going to be heightened. And now we know it's 11 games. That's significant. So the immediate question is going to be, did they turn to Jimmy Garoppolo? And if I'm a Browns fan, I think I'd much prefer Garoppolo over Seth. Right. I, I agree 100%. And, Amber, before we let you go, uh, I, I'm going to take you closer to home. How about Miami? The Raiders travel to Miami uh, to face the Dolphins for preseason game number three. Of course, the Dolphins have a lot of expectations, a lot of weapons that the team has now. Uh, what does your gut feeling tell you about this Miami team under Coach McDaniel? Uh, my gut feeling right now is I'm excited. So we're all Dolphins fans. Uh, but you know what? We've been here before, Q, so I'm going to yeah. temper that excitement. Because, yes, Mike McDaniel right now, he's been winning the preseason. We've had numerous coaches who have won the preseason. It doesn't always amount to actual winning. I prefer they do the winning on the field during the regular season than in the preseason. Uh, he seems like, you know, a fun coach, though. He's certainly an unusual character. He's great with the media. So that always helps from our perspective doing this in this business. Certainly, he's placating to all of us. But then also when you just look at the weapons, right, and, and that they did make the moves and that they did spend the big money in the offseason and that you do have the fastest receiving core in the entire league and that you do have extra protection now for Tua when you bring in a Toronto arms that you brought in help in the backfield, which they so desperately needed. And so now the question's all going to come down to how good Tua is and what Mike McDaniel's system looks like. And if Mike McDaniel can even be a good head coach, because as fun as he seems, we are talking about a dude who – for whatever reason, wasn't being interviewed by anybody else for a head coaching job, even though there was something like eight vacancies in the coaching <laughs> carousel uh, this past off, uh, you know, this past last coaching carousel. So I, we'll see. I'm excited, but it's tempered excitement because right. man, I have been here before and I had learned my lesson over the last twenty plus years. I heard that you said it's tempered expectations. There are tempered excitement with Mike McDaniel. How fast will the quirky? wear thin on you if this team doesn't perform well because i feel like if he was giving him slack he's young he's fun he's a little weird how fast is it going to be enough of that we need an adult in the room like what's the record going to be like in the regular season if they start one and three are you going to be tired of mike mcdaniel not yet one and three you can handle they've had some really i mean they had really slow starts under flores so we are used to the you know oh and seven kind of start the one and seven kind of start so i wouldn't say that the quirky gets gets old at one and three. Uh, I would say the quirky gets old, you know, the second half of the season. And yeah, that's the problem. That's the, that is what's scary, right? He seems cool. He seems quirky. He is young. We all love these young coaches, right? And he, he was so innovative. Was he the mastermind and the genius behind Kyle Shanahan? Cause he was his right hand man for so long. And if we get to the end of the regular season and they're still missing the postseason, then uh, obviously the whole narrative around all of that will start to turn 
real fast. But he might have a buffer here for a year because, frankly, I think the narrative will turn faster around Tua Tagovailoa than it will around Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel will probably yeah. get real ugly next year. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be interesting. He does seem cool, but uh, as you mentioned, cool only gets you so far. It's not going to win you games. you got to go out there and actually get it done. Well, Amber, what do you got coming up? Are you on Canty and Carlin tomorrow? What's next for you? I am. I'm on Canty and Carlin tomorrow, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Nice. Well, uh, you know, you always do a great job. I always appreciate uh, working with you and all the help that you've given me as well when I'm on the network. So uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me, too. You're one of our best. Appreciate you. Absolutely. All the time. Appreciate you. There she goes. Amber Wilson from ESPN Radio uh, giving us a little bit of legal legal talk when it comes to Deshaun Watson. And you see why we had her on, right? Because she's a rock star, and she uh, she can break it down like the best of them. And uh, she's a lot smarter than me. <laughs> it's easy to tell that, right? 4.45 is the time. Again, many thanks to Amber Wilson for giving us a few minutes of her time. Talk to Deshaun Watson and a little Miami Dolphins. Come back. We'll close out the show with Real or fake, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a few minutes left in today's show. It's been fast and furious. Tomorrow, you'll hear from Jermaine Illuminor. Uh, he had a really good media session earlier today, and I, I want to give it his just due. I don't want to just kind of squeeze it in there like a throwaway segment. I don't like to uh, do that. So we'll just hold on to it until tomorrow's show. It'll be a feature along with the rest of the guests that we have as we close out the week really strong and head into the weekend and head into preseason game number three. Uh, this has been fantastic, man. Another great week here on Radio Nation Radio 920 from the morning tailgate to JT the Brick and, of course, Unnecessary Roughness. Make sure you put in your calendar on Saturday morning. Uh, well, actually, Saturday afternoon, myself and Damon will be at the Ahern Hotel right here in Las Vegas from noon to 2, giving you a little pregame, pregame show. So before JT the Brick and Eric Allen take over and lead you up to kickoff, uh, you'll be able to hear the little pre-pre-show from myself and Damon, and we'll be at the Ahern Hotel, the little showroom that they have there. Uh, come on by, hang out with us, get some good drink specials, and you know how we do it. We get up out there, and we just have a good time. So uh, definitely do that. I will say, since the show is at noon, I had to make my uh, haircut appointment at 8.30. So uh, I'm trying to make sure the timing's right, dog. I'm a little nervous, right? A little nervous because you know in the barbershop, you know how we do. You know, we get in there and start talking a little trash, and 8.30 turns into 9.30 turns into 10. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, I got to hurry up and get up out of here. So uh, the plan is to get my haircut at 8.30 on Saturday morning, so we'll see. Uh, Friday night, that's going to depend on how my Friday night goes as well. So there's a lot that goes into uh, the, 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 the plan of attack for Saturday morning. But you come out to the Ahern Hotel and I don't have a fresh fade, you know what happened. I didn't make it. Or, or I didn't uh, get, get in the chair in time and I had to go hustle back. So we'll see what happens. But we'll have a good time at the Ahern Hotel. So I do encourage anyone to come on by, hang out. We'll have all kind of prizes. Uh, there's so many TVs to choose from. I was, I was uh, doing a little tour of the Ahern, just kind of checking it out, getting a feel for it. I had never been in the building before. And, uh, man, it, it, it looks really nice. It, it wasn't uh, the Ahern before, and so it kind of has been re, uh, renovated. And it's just it's, it's a really good look. Matter of fact, Damon, you're the one who actually discovered this. Uh, you're you're the really the reason why we're gonna be there. So uh, how did you stumble upon the Ahern? Uh, Q, it's uh, just me being out at night, me being out and about, 
<laughs> I drink up. I've got a lot of bar friends. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, I'm just, gonna leave it alone on that no, note. No, but it's just a lot of bar friends and just like, oh man, you work there. What do you do? Right. And then like you keep seeing the people because I drink with them bar a lot. Yeah, I know you do. And That's it's, that's what happens. And it's yeah. just, oh, well, I do marketing. Like, oh, we should get you guys out of show there. You know, you really never believe someone when they say that. Right. I'm sure, like, you've been in radio for all a while. the time. Yeah. If someone says like, all oh man, time. that would be perfect for my yep. company. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, but then you like you leave and you're like, that's not gonna happen. Right. But then well, I got the follow-up and now it's happening yeah no it is uh excited to be out there at the ahern and uh that's that's uh one of the reasons why i wear a, a polo shirt a, a work polo shirt every single day because you never know who you're going to come across you never know what kind of conversation you're going to spark up and boom there you go now we lead to us being out there uh at least on saturday we may have some more events that we're out there at so uh, excited about the opportunity so definitely encourage everyone to come on out there they got free parking that's a plus in itself Woo! just having free parking is great <laughs> so, you know, come on out, hang out with us, and we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into. But uh, we'll preview the Raider game coming up on Saturday. And, of course, you can hear the game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. One quick text from Vegas Pete. He said, I'm looking forward to seeing units that we'll see on Sundays this fall. Also, Raiders.com has been showing the games for those out of market. So nice little nugget right there from Vegas Pete. Definitely uh, appreciate that, man. That came by way of the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Got so many text messages today, a bunch of calls on the show, and, of course, a bunch of different guests that we had on the show as well. So very excited about the product that we're putting out here each and every day. So as we want to close things up, we want to wind things down for today's show. DeMond's got a couple subjects he wants to hit you with as we close it out for real or fake. So go ahead, DeMond. RQ, I don't know if you've seen this video. Jason Vertek, former member of the Boston Red Sox, you know, a two-time World Series champion, yeah. captain of the team, former All-Star. He's out at some amusement park, and he's going up to a guy just talking to him like, oh, how's the pizza here, like the food? And the guy is wearing a Jason Vertek, not a jersey, but a T-shirt jersey. Okay. And he doesn't even he's – like, yeah, he's just talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, we got it over here. Food's not that bad here at the amusement park. And then he just says, hey – I'm Jason Veritek, and the guy's like so shocked. I didn't know this was him. If you're wearing the guy, this is a guy who retired over a decade ago, and you're wearing the jersey of him at the amusement park, real or fake, I don't know. Come on, man. This is so obviously one of your favorite players, and you don't know what one of your favorite players looks like? Well, I will say, I guess this could be real because if it's over a decade ago, maybe he's aged bad. Has he aged bad? Does he? I mean, look, everyone doesn't age great, man. Everyone doesn't age great. Now, I'm not talking about me. Like, like I'm, I'm good. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Uh, everyone doesn't age well, so maybe he aged poorly. And maybe he just, you know, maybe he's got long hair. Maybe he went, like, incognito on us and has long hair and compared to what he had when he played. But I, I would, to your point, I would think if you're wearing the T-shirt, you would have a pretty good idea what dude looks like. Like, if Ricky Henderson walked up to me right now and started talking to me, I don't have to have his T-shirt on. I would know who the hell I'm talking to. Oh, that's Ricky Henderson. He one, he'd be talking to me in the third person, but still, you know. <laughs> Ricky quick. wants to know if there's a place that Ricky can get some pizza. <laughs> so that Real would quick, be that. I've got to ask you, who's the most who's a player that you're probably the biggest fan of, but you wouldn't know like if they passed you on the street? Ooh, it'd have to be a football player. I think I struggle to identify football players more than anyone. Because you see you see basketball players and baseball players, you see them you know, all the time. But sometimes these guys look different with their helmets on. Uh, and so, um, oh, man. You know, I, it's definitely a football player. And what happens all the time is we're sitting at, like, the Super Bowl, and somebody will walk by, and I'll be like, oh, I know that. That's – oh, wait, who the hell is that? Oh, he played for – and I'll, I'll forget. So it's got to be a, a, a football player. There's no doubt. Um, 
I'll try to think who. But you, uh, but I mean, I gotta give it. You're a fan of them though, so maybe like you know like the stats and everything. I'm trying, man. I asked the question for you, and I'm, I'm thinking about myself. Right. I, I don't be, know if it's some, if it's somebody that I'm a fan of like that. Like I don't care if C Wood had a, a a mask on. I would I would know it's Charles Woodson, right? I could tell you it's Charles Woodson by his walk, right? I mean, there's certain guys that that you could just identify. So I wouldn't. I would. I don't know if there's someone that I'm a huge fan of that I would I wouldn't know recognize them. But just just a football player in general, probably. I don't know. Got the amusement park fake fan. They, yeah, fake fan. That's real. <laughs> That's real. You got any more for me or no? No, because we got to finish up the show, man. That's fake. That is absolutely fake. We got another hour to go. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we do not have another hour to go. It's all good. Upon further review is coming up next. Eddie Pascal, Raiders.com. You want to talk about the website, man. They got a lot of good things cooking up. So uh, you want to keep with the Raider talk? All you got to do is keep it right where you got it because you got another hour left uh, of uh, – of Raider Talk on upon further review with Eddie Pascal. Make sure you wake up at the morning tailgate. They'll be on the road. Uh, so wake up with Clay and Heidi. Vinny's traveling. He's on his way to Miami for the Dolphins game. JT the Brick. And then, of course, we'll close things out 2 to 5 p.m. right here on the flagship Raider Nation Radio 920. Good night.